Hi, you're listening to the Colour Tour podcast. My name is Warren Eagles, colourist based in Australia. In this podcast, I'll be chatting to colourists at different locations around the world, finding out what they've been working on, what tools they're using, and what inspires them in the location where they're living. Ready to have some fun? If you look inside it, you can see every possible colour. Welcome to the Colour Tour podcast this week. I'm coming to you from Soho in London. It's great to come back here. I started my colouring career here back here late 80s. Soho is like a square mile. It's uh, sort of bordered by Shaftesbury Avenue and, and Oxford Street. Lots of famous post house grading companies. Uh, visual effects companies have come through this area, both large and small. People like the mill. Rushes, MPC, Smoke and Mirrors, big companies, um, has a great grading tradition. Probably you could say the top grading location in Europe. And uh, it takes me back, you know, I've had some great times here. It's fantastic creativity in both short form and long form here. And I'm going to see a colorist called Jet on the Chevy. She's been grading for a number of years here in London, both short form and long form. I'm going to go into a colour grading shop called Goldcrest and meet her and see what she has to say and see what she's been up to. I'm looking forward to it. Hi, Jet. Hey. How are you? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> Fantastic to be here. Thanks for, for joining the Colour Tour podcast. I'm just going to have a sip of my British tea before we begin. Well, welcome. Welcome to Soho. Thank you, it's good to be back. Uh, I was just saying in the intro there, I started colouring here a number of years ago and it's changed a lot since I was here, but still the streets and a lot of the buildings are the same. So it's got a sort of a special vibe about it, I think, hasn't it? It does, yeah. I think it has changed an awful lot, but there's a great, um, there's a great story actually by an Irish writer called, um, it'll come to me in a minute, um, about... Um, um, atom exchange and he's explaining about um, atom exchange by way of telling the story about a guy who rides a bicycle every day and he rides his bicycle to work and he rides it in the evening back home and he rides it you know everywhere and eventually the the particles and the atoms so at the end he's half bicycle and the bicycle is half him <laughs> and I sort of feel the same about Soho in a way <laughs> that, you know, part of me is Soho and part of Soho is me. It's, um, you know, I've been walking down these same streets for almost 30 years, really. Yeah. Um, I, I actually am coming up to my 30th year in this business. Really? So it's, uh, it's extraordinary, yeah. Same as me. I thought, I thought I'd just do it for a year and see how it goes. And uh, I'm still just doing it for a year, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's good. So, so tell me about your room. Where, where are we? Okay, so we're at Goldcrest, and um, the lovely people here um, started a, um, a picture offering about five years ago. Um, at Goldcrest, more known for its excellent sound before then. Um, so a whole new team arrived and built um, two beautiful theatres and were mainly doing DI and then realised that they were getting asked to do more television and they were trying to put their television work through a DI workflow and uh, that was that they found that to be problematic for a number of reasons um, and so they decided to, to open up a a television department and asked me if I would be interested in helping them do that mm -hmm. and so um, I, I said yes and I, I arrived here in January 
and we built four new rooms. Um, we've sort of got a, what we like to call our drama village. So we've got um, a new online suite, grading suite, um, QC room, and we've got a sound studio also. Um, and then we've got the two huge theatres downstairs, but up here is all of the, all of the drama. So is that where you spend most of your time now in the drama world? It is. It, it, it's kind of just happened that way, really. I mean, I started back in the day doing music videos, um, I guess kind of like we all did, really. Um, and then commercials. And I did commercials for a long time. But then I really wanted to get into longer form work. I yeah. wanted to get, you know, into features. And I went to Copenhagen to Digital Film Lab okay. to work for a while. Um, and then um, ran their office in Shoreditch for a while. Um, and then it, it just it just happened. I don't I didn't really ask for it, but it just it just kind of happened that drama just happened to be taking off at the time when I was getting into doing more long form. And I think because I'd done commercials and promos, I think people appreciated just bringing that other level of experience to to drama. There is a bit more of a crossover now because like. When I was working here, you did commercials and you never would have done any drama or movies. No. Movie people didn't do ads. No. Doco people did doco. It yeah. seems to be that there's certainly more of a crossover, which I quite enjoy. Well, I think one of the ideas about moving here was to be client-focused, because you're right, clients do everything now. So why should you, you know, if, if I do, a, if I do a, a drama for someone and they're doing a film project next, I don't want them to have to go somewhere else to mm. do that. You know, we have the relationship. And so it's nice to be somewhere which, where, you know, if somebody, I've done commercials here, I'm doing a, a, a music promo in a couple of weeks for someone. Um, you know, it's, it's those, those boundaries are, are not so rigid now yeah. at all. Yeah. And, and the workflows are very similar, actually. Yeah, I think so. You know, if a, if a director's suddenly doing a, a big corporate gig or another type of gig or an indie movie, you're right, you want to stay because the clients are important, aren't they? Mm. And you can't stress to, to anyone listening that you've really got... You've got to work hard to get the client in the first place and you've got to work equally as hard to try it's and keep all of them. Yeah. And I guess when... I mean, I, I guess we're roughly the same sort of era... But, you know, there were the real stars, I think, in, in our day. There, there were people that, you know, had managed to get a huge amount out of basically homemade systems. <laughs> it yes. was all, you know, it was, it was rubber bands and, and sticky tape. Yes. And there were those few that stood out, you know, the Jim Hogans and... Yes. Um, you know, who, who managed to do amazing things with very little. And they were... Whereas I think now, I think, you know, we're all pretty good, actually. We're all, we've all got training. We've yes. all got, you know, really good footage to work from. Um, and so I think we're all good. So if you actually do manage to spark up a relationship with someone, you know, it's, uh, it's important to try and keep that. Do you think it's easier now there's a lot more digital stuff around than it was in film days? Or because probably so much is being shot by more DPs, by more different cameras, is it harder? I think it's way harder. I work way harder than I ever <laughs> used to. <laughs> really? I mean, I mean for, for one thing, 
machines used to break down. Yes. You know, yes. and so you'd get you get an afternoon off to go to the pub quite often. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas that never happens. You never get the downtime that no. you used to because everything just works now. It does. I say, you know, you used to have about four or five boxes, didn't you? And if only one of those bits yeah. didn't work, the whole thing was going off, coming back up, and support team of people who are just waiting for a phone call to come and fix things yeah i just remember that that yeah board's coming tomorrow right <laughs> take your client to the pub then <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore so mm. in terms of time in the suite there's you know you're spending a lot more time grading yes a lot more is expected of you you've got a lot more tools to work with but a lot more to learn yeah. So, um, no, I wouldn't say it's, uh, it's any easier. And film had a gorgeous, lovely magic to it, I think. Um, so it wasn't that hard to work with to make look good. Whereas I, I feel that um, the digital is... I think you have to work harder, actually, to make it look filmic. I think you yes. just have to work a little bit harder. Yeah, and I also have this theory and I think I mentioned it maybe in Vince's podcast earlier on, if you've coloured a lot of film and you spent a lot of time looking at it, you sort of know what the digital should be when you're colouring it. I don't know whether that's a theory, and people say, oh, well, how do you get this look? And it, I think you just do it. You sort of know where things should sit and how to make a digital look a little bit more filmic. Yeah. Because you spend yeah. hours looking at it and just transferring it. And the other thing I think is... A little bit lost today is that art of where you used to put up a roll of film and you used to have to chase the grade a little bit as well. You know, people don't yeah. do that now. They just grade the final thing. Yeah. So what do we got in the room? We've got Da Vinci. We do. We've got the Resolve. Does that um, was that your choice or was that is that what they use in Goldcrest? Because I know there's another Goldcrest office, isn't there? Uh, there's there's a Goldcrest in New York. Yes. And do you? talk and share jobs and things with them so is it important for you guys to have the same gear or it is increasingly yeah, yeah. because it's you know it's global and um we were talking today actually about the possibility of remote grading which is you know completely possible and expected actually these days but yes we have the same kit and the same yeah. calibration so we can we can do that um you can ask me all the serial numbers of everything now, aren't you? No, 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 no. I won't no, be no. able to tell you. No, no, no. A resol resolve is good enough. But the the monitor. Yeah, we've got the uh, the Sony. Yeah. The little Sony it's an X three hundred. Yeah. Oh, you got the BX three hundred. Okay. Um, X three hundred, good. Which really, I was nervous about using because I came from using the big Dolby. Yes. So I I wasn't sure how it was going to work out but actually I really I really enjoy it now I've got the measure of it it's a little bit contrasted but I've kind of got I've got the mental calibration for it now yes um, and of course it's the only monitor we could get that does everything we need to do we do a lot of HDR oh yeah that's going to be my next question yeah. yeah is that just part of your whole deliverable now yeah pretty it much is. not for everything we do but I would say for 80% that we will be delivering a um a UHD, SDR and HDR master. Which one do you do first? Depends. It depends who wants it, who's paying for it. Um, sometimes we do um, a, Dol a Dolby Vision. Yes. Um, I prefer to do the HDR first. 
and then do an SDR pass. Yes. Um, I think it kind of gives you a, almost a better SDR master. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because some people have said the reverse. Um, I think it makes sense to start with that, you know, whole wider color gamut, extended mm. dynamic range to start with, bring it down, and then obviously utilize the trim tools for this. And, but, you know, there's people like Netflix only want one master. Yeah. They're not wanting different passes and do this and that. So I think there's a future. Yes, absolutely. I think, um, I think, yeah, I, I think it's, well, I don't, I don't think it matters which way round you do it, really. I mean, I think my aim is generally to make the two look very similar. Um, I mean, I'm yet to work with a client who wants the two to be very different. Um, so my experience so far anyway is that you more or less are trying to keep the two things in the same space yeah. and sometimes that means you have to slightly compromise the HDR yeah. and sometimes it means you have to slightly compromise yeah. the Yeah, so you're just doing small things to the, bring that HDR out more obviously to yeah. to sell that difference and I think there's a there's a certain challenge in, in, in knowing how to bring that out as well as part from the technical aspects of delivering it and how you've got to master it and it is I find it's exciting times and I would say for cinematographers as well yes it's really interesting to to see their reaction yes and to you know and some love it and some hate it and I think it will slightly maybe change the way they they light in terms of just being aware that you're now going to be able to see silks outside of windows that yes. you're going to be able to see yeah. cables outside of windows you're going to be able to see the detail where you didn't expect to. Um, and you get a whole load of range of, you know, other colours, which are really nice, really sort of interesting colours to play with. So, but I feel like I'm quite a beginner still, really. Just but learning how to, you know, I think get the I best from it. I think I mentioned it maybe in a previous podcast and I was chatting to uh, Shane, who works at Dolby, and he said he did five or six movies really before he started to feel comfortable with he was confident with what he was doing yeah. and he says it takes time like anything it takes time and you go okay i've got a feeling for that and that works and same for dps yeah some i can see will really embrace this and others might go oh no I don't feel so comfortable with it so no it's good yeah i think learning to be subtle with it is is the key that it's not it doesn't get you know you can go so far with it if you're not careful yes yeah, well, i think we've, we've seen some bad hdr in places and that's not that's not good so what other systems have you you've used all of them haven't you what did you start with <laughs> i started with da vinci um with uh, obviously i was trained by kevin which is uh, i am a huge uh, debt of gratitude where did you start we'll see him next week was that though <laughs> So yes, I got lost on the way and, um, and I, I ended up at Rush's and I didn't really know anything about picture because I'd only done sound post. And um, I said, I don't know what you do here, but it's really exciting, you know, please hire me. And they did. And I stood by the label printer for the first three months, just printing out labels. And I just thought, wow, I've found heaven here. Yes. You know, it's, it was the most creative, one of the most creative facilities and yeah. it's obviously shut down this year which was a 
you know, a terrible shame after so long. Oh, there's been so many people through there, hasn't there? Yeah. If you look at the, yeah. the history of that. It's, it was a real shame for it to go. It's such a, such a Soho stalwart, really. Yes. Um, so, we, yes, so I uh, had film handling knowledge and I stumbled into the, uh, to the grading suite and there was loads of film lying around. I thought, oh, well, I know what this is and uh, picked some up and everybody went, oh, you know how to handle film. You must come and work with us. Because, <laughs> of course, nobody really had film handling, all video no. kids. Yeah. Um, and so I, I kind of got sucked in and I, I sat down and I thought, wow, I had no idea that this was part of anything. This is a mate, this is like, a, it's like working for the Secret Service. It's like a secret part of Post that nobody knows about. And I, yeah, I, I became enthralled by it. Um, and it was Da Vinci Renaissance was just, I think it was, it might have been pre-Renaissance. But anyway, I remember that uh, it was the first time you could really do secondaries in any sort of nice, clean way. And, um, I, you know, it's like witchcraft. It's just amazing. And Kevin was at the forefront of, you know, of, of grading at that time and was grading, doing amazing things with grading music promos. And, and a story was related to me recently that him and Ben were quite different. Yes. In the way they graded. So that was great to learn as well off their styles and the way they worked and what they did. It was quite a different approach. So. Yes. Well, you know, absolutely. I mean, Ben was king of commercials in those days. And again, he just... I was trying to learn from him and he said to me, well, he says, it's easy. I said, it's not easy. He said, no, it's easy. He said, you put the film on. He said, and then you give them 50% of what the film can do and then then you give them a bit more and then you keep giving them a bit more. And I was like, but how do you know what the film can give you? But he had a, yeah. had a real sense for what, you know. Um, yeah, it was great. I was so lucky to learn from those two actually because yes. they were both excellent yes. and it meant that my bar had, has always been quite high really. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah, very, very fortunate. Yes, and Kevin's approach would have been a lot more, let's sit back and have a look at it think about it and do things a little bit slower and work things out and so that was yeah cool. but Kevin's a quiet show-off yeah he still likes to he still likes to just throw a little bit of magic in oh yeah you've got to have that and uh, so um yeah and so where'd you go from there well I was at Rush's for a while and then I went to um, a little company which didn't last very long called Dean Street Post. Yeah. That, so um, you escaped for a little that while. divide. I was there for a long time actually. Um, which was, you know, my little family really. They were was it was a, yeah. It was a good place, yeah. And I remember I phoned my mum, I said, Shall I do it? She said, Well just do it for a year. Just do it for a year. Yes. See how it goes. Yeah. And uh, it was great, yeah. Um, again, uh, learning from Clark Yes. Whole different. Different again. He he taught me how to be a showman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He definitely did. You had a Russell Square there, didn't you? We had a Russell now, Square. Not many people listening to this will even know what that is. No. That was a great system. Well, you know, well ahead of its time. I think people couldn't imagine it, maybe. Yeah. I think that was. And where. That was mainly commercials, and they bought. There was two rooms there, wasn't there? There was two rooms. Um, yeah, so we had a we had a pogle. Did we have? 
I can't remember whether we had a Pogel in one room and a Russell Square in both rooms. I can't remember. Yeah, now. that's right. Yeah. Um, and we had a Mark III and a Spirit. Yeah. Then, eventually. Um, and then from there, I went to MPC. Is that, are they in that bit in Water Street still where they are now, roughly? I actually joined them when they were in Knoll Street. Oh, okay, in the yes. tiny little, um, in, yeah. yeah. Um, which was an absolute rabbit warren. Don't know if you remember it, but yes. you sort of went downstairs yes, and through other buildings and yes. it was, yeah. And then, and then I was with them when they moved to the, to the big, beautiful super building, which They've uh, they pretty much own the whole block now. It's, it's and that was still doing commercials at that stage. That was still doing commercials, yeah. Um, and that was great. And again, I was so lucky to have worked with Jean Clément. Yes. And um, another amazing colourist and amazing teacher. Yes. Um, crazy people like Andrew Christie. You yes. know, a kind of making magic yeah. to okay, this is a business and we're going to make this work as a business. Um, and I think, it's, I think it took a f probably a decade, actually, before, before you could make post-production into a, into, a, into a real kind of corporate business. There were no major corporations, really. No. Um, well, Carlton did own uh, MPC, but it, you know, it was the time when everything was being brought up and consolidating. Yeah. Um, and so then I went freelance, yeah. which was terrific. How did you find that? Was it I loved it. Yeah, yeah I loved it. Um, I, I, I did lots of uh, travelling and worked lots of places and learnt a lot. Well, that was going overseas as well? Yeah, I, went, I worked a lot in Germany, in Scandinavia, um, went out to Turkey. Um, yeah, did uh, yeah, travelled a lot. I think it opens your eyes a lot if anyone's thinking about that route. And there's obviously a lot more freelancers now than people that actually have uh, staff positions. But you just learn so much by just going to places and seeing things. Yeah. Just opening your eyes and looking around and yeah. experiencing just just so many different textures, countries, places. So I think that really helps. And for freelancing, it's, sometimes obviously you go and sit in a chair and you go, right, okay, what are we using here? Clients are waiting in the reception, you just got to a place. But I think that that makes you really sharp, if you like. And th that's something I found when I coloured in a place for too long, it was, it was hard to keep upbeat all the time. Yeah, you I know, agree. And at least when freelance, you're not working all the time. So when you are working, you're a lot more on it, totally focused. Whereas sometimes in the staff job, you can be looking at you and thinking, when am I ever going to get out of this place? <laughs> and that does take its toll after a while. <laughs> it's, it's true. Um, I, yeah. But, but I, I very much enjoyed it because I love learning new things all the time. Yes. I mean, I, you know, that's the thrill of the game, I think. Um, is learn, learning new things, learning how to do things, how to problem solve. You know, every single job that I do, I approach as, as if I'm a newbie. I mean, I, you know, no two jobs are the same, really. And yeah. I love that, that you're working with new people on different stuff, you know, and, and so you're going to bring something new to it every time. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, I very much enjoyed freelancing. 
Um, but I, you know, uh, that, that worked fine for a while, but then I had to come back. I had an unruly teenager okay. and I needed to be back right. in one place to, yes. uh, <laughs> to make him ruly. <laughs> so uh, I came back and started working for Pepper. I which know. was yes. back in the complete building, that would you was believe? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So back out in Covent Garden. Yeah. Um, I came via um, Copenhagen, where I worked for um, a digital film lab. Yeah. Again, a wonderful and a wonderful place of learning. Um, that was feature films. Yeah? That was feature films. Yeah, early, I did a couple sorry, of early DIs. Yeah, they were really pioneering with DI. What what grading system? Um, they were on a two K. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they had a little lab downstairs, which was amazing. Um, again, timing, a bit like the Russell Square, maybe a little bit ahead of its time. Yes. Um, maybe a little bit of a, too much of a small outfit that couldn't quite grow in the same way, the way yeah. it, it should have done. Yes. Um, but again, I was just incredibly lucky to meet great people. Um, and uh, I really miss um, Chris Kolodziecki. He was a fantastic character. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I came, yeah, I came back to the complete building to work, um, to work at Pepper. That was long, that was more long form, wasn't it? That so was long form. that's where your tradition, your transition sort of started there. Yes, I went initially to, to do feature films for them, but their mainstay of their business, thanks to Vince Narduzzo, mm. um, was, um, was drama and he he had moved on and I sort of became became Vince there really and so um it was a natural it was a natural progression to go into drama you became Vince now there's a vision I can't quite <laughs> get out of my head <laughs> and uh so in another way you've got more time sometimes to do things you do have budgets things maybe are better shot than sometimes on certainly lower end sort of drama so how do you find the differences um well i mean you get lovely luxury of time with with ads mm. um and you get time to think you get time to try things um with drama we still don't have enough time to grade the stuff we have i mean the the time scales are getting better as as we are getting bigger jobs and and you know, we are in a golden age of television at the moment. So yes. I think, you know, we've been very lucky that um, the model has changed and yeah. there's a lot more money coming in. But still, the timescales are very squeezed. So when you're grading commercials, you do have luxury of time. Things are often, you've, they've been, you know, they've had more time in the shooting too. So you're not necessarily problem solving or you're problem solving in a different way. I love the narrative. I'm all about the story. I just love long form. I love that you're, you're in it, that you're trying to add something on an emotional level with, with your grading, that you're actually able to kind of make a color script through the narrative and guide the, the, the viewer through that, sort yeah. of in an emotional, subliminal way. I just love that. You know, I love the fact that if you've got a story with flashbacks or dreams or you know happiness and sadness and all of the the kind of roller coaster that you can somehow bring something to that with color and i really that's i just that's just my thing 
you know, yeah. so much as I like doing ads and, and actually really love doing music videos as well still. But I, you know, I like narrative, I like story. And what have you been working on recently that people would know? Is there anything going on at the moment or been out recently? Yeah, uh, I've, I worked on Trust, which is uh, Danny Boyle's 10-parter. Um, that was the first thing that I did for Goldcrest. Yes. And that's actually coming out tomorrow in the UK. Yeah. Um, which was, you know, uh, obviously to work with Danny is just an amazing thing. And uh, Christopher Ross, amazing um, DOP. Yeah. Um, and I'm now working with another hero, uh, Chenmuk Park. All right, yeah. Um, doing uh, Little Drummer Girl, which is a Le Carre, um, okay. adaption. Lovely. I've already done, I did The Night Manager, which was another one through the same company. Um, so that's really thrilling. I mean, obviously just to work with one of your heroes, you know. Are you, ma are you managing to obviously keep your clients through your moves? Has that been a challenge? Is it, you know, I know a lot of deals are sewn up and but have you managed to keep? Um, well, I think if, you, if you've been around a, a long time, you may not keep your clients, but sooner or later, your paths will cross again. Yes. You know. Yeah. So, um, and people should move around. I, you know, I don't, mm. I mean, there are, I do have certain clients that I work with time and time again, but actually it's kind of better in a way for them to go off and come back to you. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't stress too much about that. Oh. Um, because people, there's all kinds of circumstances which mean that people move around. Yeah. Um, so... Um, yeah. What are you seeing in terms of camera formats? What are you seeing most here? Interesting, um, because obviously Alexa was everywhere for a while. Um, and then we, when we moved to UHD, suddenly people ha were forced very quickly to find something else. Yeah. Um, and so I, I saw much more red being shot. Um, and now I've just done the job um, with the um, Venice, the Sony Venice. Oh, yeah. How did you find that? I, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I quite like it. Yes. I didn't, I didn't expect to, but actually I really, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed grading it. It's a job which was shot on the... It had some Alexa shots, it had some red shots and some Venice shots. So that has been very interesting to just get a wonderful comparison, yeah. see how each of them are. Um, they've, they've each got their own uh, strengths and weaknesses, I think. Yeah, and no, I think it's definitely a move forward. Yeah. And the other camera I like is the Vericam, which right. I've done a few things on, and I really like that. Wow, okay. You, know, you just balance something out, and you get just sort of was there pretty quickly. Yeah. So I'm seeing a bit more of that, oh. but still, I think red definitely starting to uh, kick some more goals, certainly in Australia yeah. and in Asia. Yeah. We're finding a little bit more red coming in, and which is keeping Harry on their toes. I think so. Which is good. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty agnostic when it comes to uh, camera systems, really. I think, you know, I think no two DOP shoots the same on the same system. So um, I, think, I think the the person behind the camera is more important than the camera. Oh, yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. And I think 
isn't it great that we've got all these formats? You know, we can tell our stories in any way we choose now with whatever format seems appropriate. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and it suits different budgets, means that different jobs can be uh, shot different ways. Yeah. Are you seeing a lot of drone stuff still? Not as much as we did. <laughs> Not as much as we did, and uh, certainly used in a slightly more tasteful way quite often. <laughs> oh, no. It's funny, isn't it? It's funny. It's great see. when something new comes along. I know. Like the... Um, the movie as well, yes. and just all these long tracking shots in and out of cars and yes. following people down streets and into buildings and in through yes. windows and yeah, I know, I you know. saw a lot of that for a while. Yes. It goes around, doesn't it? It goes around, comes back around again. It does, but when it comes back around, it comes around and people use it with more, you know, with more care and right. you know, mind you, I'm the same. If I find something new yeah. on the panel, yeah. you know, my next five jobs are going to contain that one thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, hands up, I do the same. I'm pretty much a one-trick pony. Oh, no, that's good. So how was your tea? It's very good. Excellent. So do we go out and have a walk around and get something else to drink? Yeah, let's do that. Lovely. Thank you. The International Colourist Academy has been around for 10 years. We run classroom training at different locations around the world. So not only do you learn from instructor, you learn from other people in the room, such as HDR, ASUS, advanced software, looks and designs. So take your grading forward and take an ICA class, iColorist.com. Oh, it's great. I love coming back here because this is one of the things I do miss is sort of the thing we're going to do now is standing, you know, outside a, a bar somewhere and chatting to people, people come by, that sort of networking, social side of things is always very good. And I always enjoyed that, so... It's really lovely that so much of the business is still here. I mean, a lot has moved, moved away, but when I first started, all the cutting rooms were here, all the sound places were here, yes. all the VFX companies were here. So the minute you stepped out, you'd be bumping into someone, and yeah. that has changed a bit. Soho has become quite gentrified, and it's very expensive now, so um, you don't see as many people as you used to, but um, there's still a lot that goes on here. Us old-timers were still pacing the streets. Because <laughs> the mill is still here, they're still in this, they've moved to buildings though from when I was here, haven't they? Yep, but they're still here, um, and obviously MPC are here, Technicolor are here, the yep. um, are here. Frame store? Frame store have moved to NoHo, but they're still, still around. Still the same. It's gorgeous. Um, Oh, that's right. I moved. I moved from Pepper to um, Ascent, which okay. um, is now Encore. Right. Which is now part of de uh, the Deluxe Group. Yes. And I was there for eight years. So is that part of Company Three? It's all part. Was part of the same umbrella, wasn't it? Encore or different? I yeah. Um, it's Encore and Company Three are part of Deluxe. Right. Yeah. So it's all. And. Uh, do, do, you, do you get a choice on systems when you go into these places? Like, or do they go, right, what do you want to use? They build you a room, or is it all there, and they go, right, this is what you've got? 
No, I think the days of choosing your own system really have gone. I think because when you think about it, grading, you used to be your own little island. Things came into you, you graded them, you put them onto tape and they went somewhere else. Yes. We have an integrated workflow now, right the way through the building. Um, everything is live from me to online VFX and back again. So uh, it's... Uh, Somebody's nearly trying to give me something nice there on a plate. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. God, I nearly run down by a bicycle then. There's, a lot, there's a lot, certainly a lot going on. <laughs> Sorry, what, what you Yeah, so you don't Integrated. get to choose, yeah. Well, yeah, so you don't really get to choose. Um, it's more important that the workflow now works throughout, throughout the whole system. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, but I was very happy to get back onto Resolve. Uh, yeah. That wasn't a, that wasn't a problem for me at all. Yeah. It's, it's a great uh, it's a great system, and we've got a great um, colour scientist yeah. who cares about pictures as much as I do, and that's a, that's a real again a real luxury. Oh, it's very important as well. Yeah, but you know the team behind you through your. You know, the producers, conforming people, assistants, all of that goes Lauren, into... Let's, let's be here. Yeah, lovely. Actually, it's a space. Perfect, and yeah. It's, and it's good. It's a good idea. say, yeah. So we're sort of in between Wardour Street and... and Poland Street. Poland Street. So we're, yeah. right, in the, we're right in the heart, so... <laughs> I'm going to OK, thank you. So what do you notice that's different, mainly, about Soho, apart from the fact that they're building everywhere? They're building everywhere. I know it's the accents of the people. Right. There's definitely more different accents. Cosmopolitan. Different co yeah, cosmopolitan. Uh, so that's changed. Yeah. It's definitely come up a level. When I first started, it was a little bit seedy still. Yeah. You know, so that's changed. Um, it's definitely getting harder and harder to find those little dives, and, you know, it's definitely yes. gentrified. Um, and it used to be a real working place, a place of real working, yeah. working and fun. And now, you know, there's there's more tourists here. There's more, you know. Do you, do you get quite competitive with the other colourists here? Because hello, how are yes. you? Can I get a gin and tonic, please? There's just, not much information. Which one do you like, or should I pick up for you? Yeah, just your house gin, whichever. Yeah. Well, there's not every. Oh, really, okay. Uh, I mean, uh, the, the, the cheapest ones is, is a tankery, but I'm particularly not for yeah, the tankery. Yeah. Myself, you have all the ones that more or less. I'll yes. go with the Hendrix. You want a Hendrix? Yes, okay. thank you. Two of those, please. Two of those? Yeah. yeah. Can I get some almonds as well? Almonds, yeah, yeah. thank you. Great. There we go. Yeah, I was uh, talking about the competition. You know, so many colourists here, and you're all. How does that work? Is that good? You, did you sort of drive on that? Does that bother you or not? Yeah, I suppose it bothers me. <laughs> I'd love to tell you that I'm secure enough by now that it doesn't bother me. Um, I don't pay too much attention, but obviously, if, if you see something and you and you and you think, "Oh my goodness, that really is amazing," you know, who did that? What have they done? Where are they working? Um, so yeah, no, there's always a bit of competition, but I also have you know, a handful of colorists that I can call and say, "How do you do this?" You know, yes. Do you find that? What's that about? I mean. You know, and so you have that conversation as well, which is nice. If you've got time, I mean, there's there's so much new stuff. You know, there's Aces and there's HDR and there's 
NAMS, GAMS, and a whole new vocabulary yeah. Yeah. of work. Um, and you don't get much time to train. When you get to a certain level, your sort of training stops, in a way. Yes. And so, actually, you rely on your assistants who can still, you know, have still got time to pick things up. Yeah. You you have to rely because you don't have the time to... No. And it's, it's a real bugbear of mine, actually, that you, you, you don't get any training. You're supposed to just absorb all this new stuff by osmosis. Yeah. And so it's... Um, Look at your stuff. Yeah, we find that with a training company. You know, we do get some, uh, you know, if you've got experienced colourists that come along. And certainly for the HDR and the higher-end classes, and I think that's great, because, like, you never stop learning. Absolutely. Uh, so that's good. Um, so we do get a big cross-section of people. And there was a guy who was in Gothenburg last week who came in, in colouring for 10 years. Great. And it's really good at the end of it. It goes, yeah, there was things I didn't know, different ways of doing things. Yeah. Which is good because you do get a bit set in your ways, don't you? If it, yes. If it's it's not broke, you know, we don't have to fix it, sort of thing. I also think we are um, we tend to work with workarounds. If we learn a certain thing and, and it doesn't work the first time, we have to think on our feet. So we, we learn a workaround. And that workaround becomes the way we do things. And they're not always the most efficient way. It's like bad driving, isn't it? Yes. You learn, oh right, okay, well. You know, I, I don't know how to do that, but if I do this, I can do yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and I've got a whole list of those things where, where I know I could be saving time and getting a better result doing things in a different way, yeah. but I've just not, I've just not learned them. Do you want to open a tab? Or certainly okay, will. Okay, now. Open tab, yeah. tab, thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Well, cheers and welcome to London. Oh, cheers. Look at that, beautiful. Mm. Oh yeah, that's nice. That Very spot, refreshing. Um, yeah, there are some brilliant colourists doing doing great things, and um, like you said, when you you know when you see something good, it does spur you on to yes. to try things. And yeah. <laughs> nowhere else has it like this. Mm. No, it's else, a so. lovely thing. So uh, I think that's what's unique about it. And if you can meet up with people and chat about stuff. It's not all too competitive because I've been to some places where you know they don't like talking to other companies and it's frowned upon if you chat with other colorists. When I first got to Australia, it was a bit like that. Excuse me, can we have a photo when you're ready, please? Yes, of course. When you're ready. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Don't get run over. Lovely. Okay, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've got this challenge now. Oh, yeah. Being a uh, young lady colourist... Oh, yeah. Well, now, I hope, I hope people you. have gathered that by now, because <laughs> we're, like, 30 minutes in. Uh, what, is there any particular challenges have you found? Do you get better working with men or lady? How does that work? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think I'm very lucky that I've obviously been around long enough and have a reputation. Um, People generally know who I am, or, or at least they can feel a bit confident. But when, yeah. I, when, when, when I was just starting out, I always felt I had to prove I could do the job before I did the job. So people would come in and they would wonder whether I could do the job. And you'd have to 
you know, they, they kind of make you jump through hoops for a bit. Occasionally, I still get that. Um, but I'm sort of used to dealing with that now. Um, I think it's changed. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've had a lot of um, female co uh, assistants who are now off and, and, and grading and doing, doing really well. Um, I just don't... I don't see the impediment now. No. And, I, and, I, and I, feel, I feel very proud that, obviously, I've been part of that movement, but I, I just think that um, there's no impediment to women getting into grading, certainly, or any, any part of post-production, really, now. Um, I, just, I just think it's less of an issue. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's good to know. Um, and I think we see uh, a similar thing down in Australia and certainly in New Zealand. Uh, well, New Zealand's always been brilliant. I mean, most of the colourists in New Zealand have always, yes. been, have always been women. Yeah. No. Yes. So. Yeah, and the Philippines for some reason. Right. Always more than men. Interesting. I don't know why. Because girls have better colour perception, isn't it? Yeah. And empathy and patience and... <laughs> the list goes on. Yes, yes. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> so, I've got this uh, question that I try and ask everybody, and it's based around your your highlights and your lowlights. Oh yeah. Like. like, have you got? one outstanding job or something you did where you went wow that was really good everything worked out well or you had a really good deal on something and is this something where it was just a disaster and you like oh, just didn't happen i've had many more disasters than i have had triumphs um it's really difficult to to see the triumphs because i think when you're looking at your own work you can always see where you could have done better yes. or wish you'd done more or had more time or so um, so uh, triumphs are more difficult to find um, I won an RTS which was a, a, a great Royal Television Society that? award that was quite a while ago now I'm doing another one um, for a, a project I did called life on Mars all right yeah, yeah and again it was sort of a time when drama wasn't getting much love and it was one of the first dramas I did, and I was able to bring something quite yes. nice to it. Yeah. Um, and that was recognised by the industry. So that, you know, winning stuff is always, people say it doesn't matter, but actually it, it does matter. It's, it's nice to be recognised by your peers. Um, I was nominated um, number one colourist in the television poll a couple of years running. And again, you know, it's just lovely to be recognised by your peers yes. um, and important for your confidence. Um, but as for disasters, I mean, goodness, loads of them. I mean, I've been fired, I've been made redundant. I was fired unceremoniously in front of the Odeon Leicester Square by a very, very angry client after a screening. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, I always say to people, if you haven't been fired, you haven't really, yes. you haven't really lived. No, no, it's all learning, isn't it? It's all learning. I'm just going to take the Dennis menu if that's all right, yeah? yeah? No, no, you're fine, no thank problem. you. <laughs> yes. You need a later, I'll give you one. Right. Thank, thank you very much. Yeah. I always say also to assistants, you know, you won't win every you won't win every battle you're in. You won't win every game you play. You know, there are going to be some clients who didn't like what you did or didn't like what they did and therefore they don't like what you did. You know, you're not going to leave every job with high fives and, and no. hugs, you know. Sometimes no. it just doesn't work out. And that's a 
kind of a personality thing, and there's nothing you can do. I was working with a chap, um, and that's back in the day, and we were on film. And do you remember the double tap with Spirit to, to rewind? Mm. And we were we were working away, and I was trying to understand what he wanted from this film, and I wasn't I wasn't getting it. He was very nice to me; he wasn't mean. And um, in the end, I just double tapped and rewound the, the reel off. And I said, this is pointless, isn't it? Should we just leave this for another day? And he was so relieved to be getting out of the room. And I was relieved because we weren't getting anywhere and we'd spent hours. And, um, you know, I think sometimes that happens. You know, sometimes it, it's, it's nothing to do with anything. It's just the wrong yes. chemistry, you know. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And I, that, you couldn't get, you shouldn't get too downhearted about that because you can't work and have that relationship just doesn't work with something. No. It just doesn't click. We're sort of an interface, aren't we? We're an interface we between are. someone's dreams yes. and and the sort of an electronic domain, really. Yes. So you're not you're not gonna be able to get that right every no. time. You know, sometimes it just doesn't work. Yes. I do find that people are more cynical, more expecting, less pleased than they used to be. Um, I think when things were shot on film, people didn't really know what they were getting. They were so relieved to just, just get a picture, weren't they? They were yeah, so they happy. Were, yeah. You were like a kind of magician. Yes, yes. Um, but I feel that now yes. everybody sees what they're getting. They also probably grade their own photographs, so they think that grading's easy. Yes. And they're, they're just slightly pissed off and cynical. Yes. Pretty much all the time. It's much harder to please people these days than it used to be. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. What about this uh, trend that was a wishy-washy look, the flat look, the almost log mm. thing that we saw for what? Are we still seeing that in London? We're definitely not seeing it in drama. I don't know if we're I don't seeing it. We ever saw it in drama? Yeah, it? I don't think so. Um, people tend to want drama to be a bit more gutsy and a bit yes. more. Um, um, filmic, yeah. for want of a better word. Um, I think it's totally appropriate for some projects and, and just not for others. And I think it's, I think it's fine. I think commercials certainly, not just commercials, but grading has always gone in trends, whether it was the sort of deconstructed look or the, the, the green and black look or the, you know, cyan and teal look. Um, there's always, there's always something that captures the the zeitgeist, if you like. Yeah. Um, I, I have a theory, which I've said many times, that I think it goes in cycles with the economy. I think when the economy's good, people kind of don't mind a more deconstructed kind of gutsy look. But yes. I think when yeah. the economy's bad, people want everything to look very expensive and glossy. Yeah. And I think it always goes in those it's trends. It's a good theory, yeah. Yeah. You could be on to something there. <laughs> How can we make money without idea? So Bit of insider trading when you start to see when you start to see pictures coming out all uh, grungy, you know the pound is going to be good. So as you've moved around, how does that process go when you change jobs? Do you like just meet someone and sort of go, oh, I wouldn't mind a move, or do they come after you, or is it all pretty secretive? Is it always different? How does that work? It's like a spy movie. Really? Normally somebody makes an approach. I mean, I've, I've never... I'm, I'm incredibly lucky that I've never actually... I've never actually looked for a job. When I was freelance, I had to... Yes. But again, when I was freelance, I, I, I was never out of work. Um, 
So normally people make the approach to you, they, they give you a phone call and they, they sort of say, do you want to meet for a coffee? So uh, you go and meet for a coffee and you know, you hear what they, what they have to say. And then normally any further meetings than that normally have to be conducted in basements or um, yes. cellars after hours or... I had to smuggle a colourist <laughs> under a blanket once into a place where I was working. Wow. Yeah. But it didn't help that it was directly across the road from the new place that he was going to go to. <laughs> so it was all very secretive. Yeah. It's... Uh, and it takes a while, I think. I mean, I think if you... If you approach a colourist, it, it, it's probably going to take a year to get someone out of their job. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a... It's a big commitment for a colourist to leave to leave a job, unless they hate it. Yeah. But it's um, you know, it's it's a big decision. Yeah. But I've always really enjoyed moving around because I think again you learn more, you you become a better colourist. Um, certainly for me, it's been important anyway. Cool. So when you're colouring a TV drama. Mm -hmm. How long do you get? Is it a typical, this is how long it's going to take? Formula? Uh, no, generally they still, um, we still budget for around two to three days for a 60 minute. Yes. And three to four days for uh, a 90. That's typical. Okay. Now, when you've got a bigger show, it, that can increase, but that's generally the, the, the starting starting point, yeah. Two days, yeah, we get, we get two days the same. You may get a little bit more on some shows, but two days seems to be the benchmark. Yeah, yeah, which isn't really enough, to be honest. I mean, no. you know, when you, when you consider that if you're doing a feature film, you'll probably get two weeks to do 90 minutes. Yes. Um, and on a commercial, I mean, I don't know how long they have these days, but certainly when I was doing commercials, you definitely had... I don't know. I mean, you definitely had a day. I mean, I <laughs> I was working at NBC, and I had five days to do a Madonna commercial once. Five days. I mean, there's only so many shades of gold you can come up with, but, you know, they had the money, you know? Five days. That was from film, obviously. It was from film. Was it cut, cut negative, or you put in different shots there, reels and...? No, I think it was. It wasn't cut negative, but actually, it was a. It was. It was a, a one-shot commercial with some product. A one-shot commercial for five. <laughs> Those were the days. That was good. Yeah, and if we probably worked out what we were billing per hour, it probably gets yeah. even better. Well, I guess you had thinking time in those days, which you don't know. Now it's, you don't really, that's really, I suppose, the biggest change, if I had to say, is that we, we they don't, we don't have thinking time anymore. Do you get a bit of play time before they come in? We do, but it's not charged. Generally, I always try and insist that we have a, what I call a play date. Yes. And I'll get, I'll get the, I'll get the guys in, the creatives, and we'll play around for half a day. But, you know, we normally... We normally just swallow that as a cost yeah. because it saves time later. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's important. And then everybody gets to see, everybody gets to know each other, and it's actually that personal relationship which makes things go smoothly. Yes. Yeah. People feel more comfortable about asking things, don't they? Yeah. And everyone just feels more okay. Or if it's not working, we can try something else. Or if it is working, it's good. Yeah. How do you feel about this remote grading? Though? Do you feel confident with that? I think it's a, it's an inevitable step. You know, the world is getting smaller, 
and uh, you know my, my the DOP that I'm working at the moment is in Korea the the next job I'm doing um, the creatives are probably going to be in New York um, you know, people just don't have the time to necessarily sit with you now. Um, I, I, I will miss it because I think the whole personal relationship is is actually what I'm good at. That's the bit that I'm good at, you know. Um, and I, I enjoy being with creative people and, and, and trying to um, realise their, their, their dream. Um, so, but you know, it's inevitable. You know, things change and we have to change. Yeah, we will. It's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. And it's obviously easier if you know the clients. Yeah, if they can hook it up from my living room, that would be better. Well, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that will, that will happen. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do when you're not colouring? Do you go, do you go <coughs> training or run triathlons or all that? What do you do? I'm old. What I do? What do I do? Um, I, I, I watch a lot of movies. I'm part of... I'm, I'm, I'm a member of BAFTA, so I, 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 I watch a lot of movies. Um, I'm still very passionate about about film, you know. Um, I'm, a, I'm a real cinephile, so um, uh, I, my partner's a DOP, so you can imagine the winter right, nights yeah. <laughs> they just fly by. <laughs> well, so we talk about Do you, do you film guys manage to sit there and not comment on anything until after the film? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, London is a wonderful place to be. I mean, there's so much going on, and the thing is, if you live in London, you get the most out of it if you pretend you're a tourist and you just do things. So, I mean, exhibitions, gigs, um, you know, galleries. It's, the thing is that there's so much here to do and, and to make sure that you, you, you take part in that, I think. So, um, but, you know, I also spend a lot of time working. Great. All right, Jet. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks Lovely for joining the Colour Tour. It's been oh. great chatting to you and the insights around Soho has been fantastic. My pleasure. And uh, good luck with all your projects and uh, the job of Gold Crush. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. You can get more information about our training at iColorist.com or you can subscribe to the podcast through your normal podcast providers. 